Hi, and welcome to One Little Candle, a place where genuine believers are encouraged, empowered, and inspired to be the light that God calls us to be by contending for the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his people so that we may pass down undefiled the truth of God's infallible word to the next generation. And in case you're thinking that you can't make a difference in your own little corner of the world, yes you can, because all it takes is one little candle. I'm your host, Rebecca Bershwinger. Thanks for joining me for today's episode. Hi, and thank you so much for joining me today. I'm excited to have a special guest on One Little Candle. Today, we are going to be talking with Claire McGarry. She is the author of the book, Grace Intention, Discover Peace with Martha and Mary. When Claire first told me about her book, I thought, hmm, a book about Martha and Mary. Well, that seems to be, there's a lot of books out there about Martha and Mary, and I thought to myself, where could she possibly go with this that people haven't gone? Like, I, I kind of had the attitude, well, I kind of already know the Martha and Mary story. Yes, Mary chose the better part, Martha, you know, blah, blah, blah. But um, upon reading her book, I was in for a very pleasant surprise, I must say. She did take it somewhere else that I don't think anyone else has. And as I started reading it, I was reading it for the purpose of seeing whether or not, you know, I would, I would have her on. And as I'm reading it, I'm thinking, wow, I need to go back and like reread this and read it for me because I thought this, this book is just fantastic. It was helping me already, but I just, I wanted to, you know, read it for the sake of having her on and preparing for that and, you know, note taking and things like that, that I thought might be good conversation pieces. But I thought I need this book. I need to sit down and do it for my own sake. So I will most definitely be doing that for sure. But I am so excited to be able to share this with you. So a little bit about Claire. Claire, as I had said, is the author of Grace Intention, Discover Peace with Martha and Mary, as well as the Lenten Family Devotionals with Our Savior and Abundant Mercy. She's the founder of Mosaic of Faith, and she endeavors to fish for more people to bring to God through her retreats, women groups, and writing. Claire's a regular contributor to Living Faith, Mornings with Jesus, and Catholic Mom. Her freelance work has appeared in These Days, The Secret Place, Chicken Soup for the Soul Books, and Keys for Kids. She's a former lay missionary in Guatemala, and she now lives in New Hampshire with her husband and three children. And she has a wonderful blog at ShiftingMyPerspective.com. As you just heard me say, um, she's a contributor to, to Catholic Mom. Claire is a practicing Catholic. So I do have to say that although here at One Little Candle, as far as um, my statement of faith is concerned, I do not agree with some of the Catholic doctrines with their theology. So I am going to put that out there. But as far as this book goes, that is neither here nor there. It just does not come into play with this book. And um, it does not take away from this outstanding book that Claire has written. Um, what I really love, she used what's called the gift method, and it's it's the analogy gift, G-I-F-T, and she developed it to transform our tension. The purpose of the book is going to transform the tensions that we experience in everyday life 
They're going to transform them into grace at the feet of Jesus. And that is exactly what she does with this book. So on that being said, here is my interview with Claire McGarry. Hi, Claire. Welcome to One Little Candle. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you, Rebecca, for the the invitation. I'm thrilled to be here. I am thrilled to have you because this book is fantastic, and I'm really looking forward to sharing it with with our listeners now. This is mostly, um, I'd say this is a for women book more than anything, although I see where men could benefit from it as well. I totally related to this book. I saw myself in this book. Oh, I'm so grateful to hear that because that was my hope. I tried to, I mean, obviously I, I talk a little bit about my story, but I was hoping to back myself out of it so that people could see themselves in it. I was impressed with how you did do that. You, you took real life situations and then you, like you said, you backed yourself out of it though, but yet they were such great analogies and visuals. Um, for me, when because I really think you need that that real life perspective and um, circumstances that go along with with the scripture and the and the story. But when you first shared your book with me, I thought to myself, oh, Martha and Mary. I'm thinking there's been a lot of books about Martha and Mary, and I'm thinking where can she possibly go with this that I haven't already heard? You know, because there are a lot of books out there about Martha and Mary. But guess what? You did. You went somewhere else with it. I was very pleasantly surprised at how you did. You gave a whole new, I think, an excellent perspective um, through the story of Martha and Mary. <clears throat> so what I want to ask you to start off is why this book? What led you to write about this? Well, it was it's, it's a long story, uh, but I'll try to give you the cliff note version. Um, back in, I think, 2012, I had a terrible mothering week when my, that my kids were super little. I was in the trenches. Um, it wasn't a bad mothering day. It was a full Monday to Friday, just disaster. Me, impatient, screaming, yelling. Obviously, that escalated them and it went back and forth. So when Saturday came, my husband said, just go, go away, go wherever you need to be. I've got the house. I've got the kids, you know, do what you have to do to refill. So I ended up at a retreat center, an outdoor retreat center. They have an outdoor chapel that um, as I sat on a bench looking at the cross, the backdrop was water because they're on a peninsula. And I cried and prayed and journaled and kept doing that for about three hours. No joke, no lie. Um, and as I walked back to my car, I had the realization that what I had just run away from, I had just run away from motherhood. <laughs> you know, if I could have three hours earlier, I would have kept on going well beyond that retreat center. Yeah. But after spending time at God's feet, uh, he had refilled me and I was excited to go back to motherhood. And that's when I realized that mothers needed that opportunity to spend time quietly at his feet. And that's when I also realized most mothers can't carve that time out for themselves. Um, I hadn't, which is why I had reached the tipping point. Um, it was only because of my husband pushing me out the door. Um, so that's when I felt called to run retreats for moms. 
And when I ran the retreats, I wanted them to be very rooted in scripture. So I would always use a story from the Bible as the main framework to talk about the lessons that God wants to teach us through these stories. And when I gave the retreat on Martha and Mary, Obviously, I spent a lot of time in prayer formulating and trying to discern what Jesus is trying to teach Martha and, I believe, Mary through that story. And when I presented it to the moms, I presented it over and over again, you know, as different moms came through the retreats. And every single time, the suggestion was this should go into a book. And then one thing led to another. I had always, you know, dreamed of being a published author. And in his perfect timing, one door after another opened up and there I was with the contract. But what I will say to speak to your point earlier about um, you feeling that it's very much a book about women and for mothers, uh, I did find that while I was writing the book, my calling shifted and my my objective shifted. Initially, back when I was running those retreats for moms, I felt called to fish for mothers to bring to God. And while writing the book, that's when I heard him say, throw the net out and fish for everyone. Because there's nobody, unfortunately, on this side of heaven who escapes stress and tension. And so that's why I spent so much time prayerfully and, you know, writing technique wise, trying to back myself out of once I gave my story, trying to back myself out so that not only women could see themselves in the chapters, but also men. And Mm -hmm. I'm getting a lot of feedback from men coming up to me saying, I am such a Martha in this book spoke to me. (laughs) And that's kind of a cool thing to hear, you know, and I have couples who are reading it together and they go for walks and talk about it. And so it's, it's just very gratifying to know that through God's help, I was successful casting that net further beyond just women and mothers into everyone, young and old, married, single, with children, without children, that it is resonating for them. For sure. And like I had said to you earlier, I, I saw myself, <laughs> in especially in chapter 10, but um, I saw myself in this book a lot. And you, you do... Um, because, well, I know I'm not the only Christian who struggles with these things. You address common struggles. You, you tackle them. But the thing is, I think they're common struggles that within the Christian community or circles, mm-hmm. we don't usually talk about them often or we don't want to share them with others. <laughs> these yeah. struggles that we face in our Christian walk, whether it's because we feel like a failure or or whatever. But, um, you know, you because t- you talked about overcoming bad habits and our struggles with doubt and forgetting God's faithfulness and trusting him and just so many things. And I was I was like, yes, yes, that's me. Like, I, I struggle with this, too. I struggle with that, you know. Um, so it, it was it was great. It Thank was great. you. Thank you. And that's why I'm so grateful that Jesus chose the disciples that he did. Because I feel like he chose the ones who were always making mistakes. They were always doubting. Um, they would listen to him and they would get the lesson and they would implement it. And then they'd forget. <laughs> and I feel like that's who I am. 
You know, mm -hmm. I spend my time with God trying to discern what he's trying to teach me in the moment within the struggle that I'm facing. I learn the lesson. I implement the lesson. And then I forget. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. and the cycle just continues. And it's it's um, it's very freeing to know that he didn't choose the perfect he chose the ones that were willing to invest the time and energy to get better, to follow him more closely. Yeah, exactly. And not only that, I was thinking that you would mention that when you do the um, your ministry for women and the women's retreats, that you know you everything is is based off of scripture dealing with the struggles. And in your book, you are so encouraging in that manner, where you said. In the introduction, you said, I wanted to share how my struggles in life are always transformed when I apply scripture to them. You said, whenever I look at any problem through the lens of faith in God's word, my take on it shifts. From that new perspective, I see another side, one that reveals the invaluable lesson I need to learn at the moment. And maybe we can talk about this just for a little bit right here, because I, I totally agree with you on this. But I have come across situations in my lifetime where... And trying to apply scripture to a life issue when speaking to someone close to me who may be struggling with an issue. And people that say, you know, I'm Christian, that really don't like it when you try to bring God's word into play in a, in a situation. I've, I've even heard that well, it's not really dealing with reality. I need real life answers or advice. In other words, I think they're saying it, it doesn't involve God's word. So what would you say to someone? How would you speak to that? Oh, that's an excellent question, <laughs> because one of the reasons I write is because I'm not well-spoken in the moment. <laughs> you know, when someone asks me a question head-on, especially when it comes to defending my faith, I don't always feel equipped to do God and God's word justice. I will always in that split second between when they finish their question and now it's my turn to respond. I absolutely do call on the Holy Spirit, but it depends on my level of comfort within the conversation as to whether I then relax into what he wants to say through me. Mm -hmm. I find that when I am put on the defensive, my heart and ears aren't open as wide because I'm too nervous being anxious and feeling as if I'm not going to do a good job defending the faith. Mm -hmm. So it's almost contrary, right? Because the more uh, aggressive someone is, it's almost as if that's when I need to be the most well-spoken. But also, too, oftentimes that's when the person asking the question in an overly assertive way, their ears and hearts aren't open anyways. There's almost mm -hmm. nothing I can say to bring them to a place where they're willing to look at it differently. Um, I had an experience. I was at a barbecue a couple days ago. And there were some people who were saying not necessarily derogative things, but they were saying how they couldn't connect with certain things. But I felt super comfortable with them. I've known them for a while. And so there was that 
prayer to the Holy Spirit to help me. And, and I just pulled it. I won't say I, I was just given this example that was so concrete that they could relate to it. And I could see the shift. You know, when you see the look on someone's face when they actually do kind of tilt their head and kind of think through what you're saying Mm -hmm. versus coming up with their next battle line to fight you back. Um, But I also find um, I'm a, I have such a kindred connection to St. Francis of Assisi. Um, His big motto was, Preach the gospel always. Use words when necessary. Mm-hmm. And so I'm a big fan of doing the absolute best job I can living out the gospel. So that because I don't always have the right words at the right time, my prayer is that my example is the bringing to life of what the Bible is trying to teach and share. Well, yeah, because even if you have the right words at the time, I don't care how right and eloquent they may be or wise, if you're not already living the example, those words are going to ring hollow. Very good point. Very <laughs> or, be, good. Or, or be rejected. And thank you for that, those thoughts. But what I was thinking too is, say, for example, you have someone close to you who's they're venting to you, talking to you about, an issue. Um, they're Christian and you try to bring God's word into it in order to maybe comfort them or, or help them along. And they reject that as not being grounded in reality. Does that make sense? Yes. And so for a direct answer to that, I believe that if they reject what you're saying as not rooted in reality, not applicable to their situation. I firmly believe it's because they're not ready yet. And so that's when I feel I'm being called to pray for them. Where I fall short in saying the right thing, God never falls short. And so if I can't be the person who can help them bridge that struggle then I'm being called to actively and uh, committedly pray them through. That is very, very wise advice. Thank you. Because I I have come across that a lot because it's baffled me. It's like, well, for me, I, I feel the word of God always applies, as you said in your book, to our life's struggles. Looking at things through the lens of scripture, any of our problems, like you said, your, yeah. your take on it can shift. So, but that was very wise advice. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, now you talk tension because you have tension broken down into three levels. Can you define this tension and its levels? Sure, sure. So it, the really interesting thing was I, I couldn't believe the amount of back and forth between my editor and myself defining tension. When I say the word tension, I automatically presume that the other person interprets it the same way that I do. And I see tension as stress taken to a high level. And what she was trying to say was 
there's a positive side to stress, you know, like we, we can't zip up a sweatshirt unless we have tension, right? If we're not pulling one side down while we're pulling the other up, it doesn't zip up. We can't fly a kite. We can't tune a guitar. And so I had to, I had to over and over again, keep going back to what I was trying to say and how I was trying to define tension. And so what happened is it, I ended up breaking it down into three different levels. Low level tension, the way I describe it in my book is that inner angst. It's not necessarily something where we stop and say, this is stressing me out. It's that very under the surface, uh, struggle where things just aren't going right. We can't actually put our finger on exactly why we feel out of sorts, but something just isn't right. And what I do is I use Mary, I do a hypothetical imagining of Mary experiencing this. Um, and when I was prayerfully spending time within the passage in Luke 10, 38 to 42, it occurred to me that Mary isn't at the door to welcome Jesus in. So I started imagining what if Mary initially chose to be in the kitchen? What if Mary actually was doing the work for the dinner party? And that's where I used the idea of low level tension. She just would have felt out of sorts. She wouldn't have felt right being in the kitchen because for who Mary is, she wants to be at the feet of Jesus with her ears and her heart wide open. And so my premise is God doesn't create that tension no matter what level it's at, but he always shows up in the midst of it to lead us through. And so I had the image of a boat in a rudder, and it just takes the tiniest little nudge for the rudder to change the entire trajectory of the boat. And that's what God does. And in my imagining, that's what he did with Mary. He just showed up and he just gave her a gentle nudge to remind her of who she is and what brings her peace so that Mary ends up leaving the kitchen. And in the second line of that scripture passage, there she is at his feet. So low-level tension is that place where we're just a little bit out of sorts. God shows up. He gives us these gentle nudges. And sometimes even unconsciously, we make them and things smooth out. Mid-level tension happens when we don't respond to that prompt. Even though things aren't working out in the choices that we make, I equate it to a tug of war that we grab the rope of our tension and we pull on it with all our might. We're digging our heels in, which is what we see Martha doing. Clearly, Martha is feeling stress and tension in that passage when Jesus comes to dinner with the disciples, when her sister Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus and she's doing all the work herself. Rather than stopping and looking at her choices, She's blaming Mary and she's pulling on a rope of tension and she pulls on it so tight. She puts herself into that mid-level zone and that's where the tension headache comes in. That's when our shoulders scrunch up. That's when we get irritable. That's when we, you know, 
it affects our sleep patterns because we're just stressed and angst and we, we don't know what to do with it. Um, and then high level tension is when we perceive circumstances being beyond our control. High level tension is, you know, the death of a loved one, the loss of a job, the cancer diagnosis. And it fills us with stress and tension and we feel like we have nowhere to go with that. But in fact, when Lazarus dies, the brother of Martha and Mary in John 12, they show us that there actually is a choice that we can make. And it's a choice in how we respond to stress and tension. And that when we start accepting the unresolvable and um, bowing at Jesus's feet, being willing to surrender to what is within our path, God always shows us the good and the peace that is found within that stress and tension. He does. Thank you for describing that. Actually, I, I kind of went through the level three <laughs> intense tension this past week in my life, and it's my way of dealing with it um, in the physical realm. I said to my husband, was to paint. <laughs> Um, I said, this is something I have control over. You know, I can put something, a, a fresh coat on. I'm going to change it up. I, I have control over it. I'm going to, you know, make it, make it just look better. And in the meantime, as I do that, I spend my time with the Lord. Yes. Um, yes. And, you know, and um, it's quiet. You know, it's just me at home painting and talking to God and praying and listening. The painting alone without going to God just wouldn't work. <laughs> Exactly. You know, it, it might be a real temporary quick fix, but 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 not for the the peace that we want, and you know, the peace of mind and the, the stability. Um, for sure, God is has to be a part of that. But yeah. Well, I'm sorry to hear that something difficult happened, but it sounds like you did something extremely healthy. What a what a healthy outlet to be physically moving and changing something for the better while you invited God into your heart to change the scenario for the better. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing what a can of paint can do. <laughs> no, but anyway, got to have God with it for sure. Um, and you said, I love this, when in your book you said, there's always a gift tucked inside the tension. I love that. That, that stuck with me and it's always going to stick with me. And at the end of each chapter, you have at Jesus' feet. Um, I love that how you do that. And, and I was thinking how, well, when you talked about the boat, I think that's the chapter, right, where you called him um, our what, loving captain or something. Yes. yes. I, I love how you've, you've given um, all these wonderful, beautiful um, names for Jesus, master builder, magnificent gardener, divine coach, devoted guide, loving captain. Those are great because those are all really attributes of Christ. At the end of each chapter, you employ what's called the gift process, G-I-F-T. You want to talk about that for a little bit? Sure, sure. It's one of my favorite things. And I find it's the thing that resonates the most with my readers. Um, so I think I mentioned before, I learn a lesson, I implement it, and then I forget it. And so I'm a big fan of acronyms because they help me sink my teeth into something and they also help me remember. 
And so it was while writing the book. And when I look back to when I started blogging, I think I started blogging in 2014. And the name of my blog is Shifting My Perspective. And it is that process of bringing my problems to God and holding them up to his word. And he shows me another side. But while writing the book, I realized at a much deeper level the exact process that God leads me through every single time. And so what I discovered was this acronym, G-I-F-T. And so the G stands for GAGE. Um, when I bring my problems to God and sit quietly with him, he helps me gauge or identify or name the tension I'm feeling. Because oftentimes we name or label the symptom of the problem and not the root cause. Mm -hmm. And if we can't name the problem correctly, we can never solve it. And so it's very important that we do spend that time with him so he can help us properly identify the real root cause, gauge, identify, and name it. Once we do that, I believe that God asks us to invite it in. So using that I from the word gift, invite it in. If it's not going to put us in spiritual and mortal danger, I believe he wants us to sit at his feet and face whatever that tension is. And what I learned when I've done this is tension and stress is never going to go away, right? Once we solve one thing, another thing is going to come through the door. So mm -hmm. rather than running away from it, we sit and face it. We loosen our hold on our emotions around it. And when we loosen our hold on our emotions, they no longer have a hold on us. And it's really the emotions that cloud our ability to see. So once we can strip those away, that's when we can move on to the F of gift, which is filter. And we can look through the filter of God's loving eyes. So no matter what is going on in our lives, no matter what is going on in the world, God will always look at things with love and that's how we identify the good that's how we identify the grace and the gift that's tucked within any problem that we're experiencing and so once we can see that then god leads us to the t from the word gift which is transform what is the change whether outwardly or inwardly, that is going to transform our stress and tension into grace. Because the real truth is God is never calling us to change other people. He's calling us to change ourselves. Hmm. So if you think about that passage with Martha and Mary. Martha intuitively knows to go to Jesus for help when she's experiencing the stress and tension because her sister is sitting and leaving all the work to her. But when she goes to Jesus, she wants him to change Mary. She wants him to change the scenario. But instead, he calls her to change herself. And so that T is the transform where God tells us, 
what are the little, sometimes it's very little things, you know, how we organize our day. Maybe we need to get up a little bit earlier. Maybe we need to sleep longer because we're sleep deprived. And that's why our, our triggers go off so quickly. So whatever it is, he reveals the changes to us and then he inspires us to make them. And he never ever leaves us alone to implement those changes. He partners with us. He knows who we are. He knows our exact situation and he knows our individual ability. So he's never going to call us to, you know, that crazy change that is just so overwhelming. He's going to call us to what is within our ability to do and he's going to help us through it. So it's gauge, invite, filter, transform. I love how you, again, how you end the chapters that way. I was just thinking too, I don't know why I just had this thought. I thought, I feel like your book should be in the offices of Christian counselors. Ooh, <laughs> like oh, should, that's wonderful. I really feel like it's something that they should give out because to me, there's a lot of um, godly wisdom and counseling in there that covers a myriad of issues that we deal with. And, big ones and the small ones. And I just, I just kept thinking it should be in a counseling office. Like they should hand that to their, their, um, their patients. But Um, funny you should say that because I did ask a couple counselors to endorse it for me. So Mm -hmm. I asked them and um, my publisher actually has an in-house psychologist and they ran it by the in-house psychologist Mm -hmm. For the same reason, you know, is this on track? Is this something, is this a tool that can be implemented? And if so, will it lead to positive results? Um, So that I was, I I, I won't say I had the lofty dream of it being in, you know, counselors' offices, but I absolutely love that thought because my experience has been the gift method never fails. Because God never fails. So if we go to him with our ears and our heart open, because that's a real critical, critical thing, because it's the same thing as we were talking about earlier when we're trying to talk to someone about faith. And if their ears and hearts are closed, there will be no change. They will not sink in. And so if we go to God and we we have an agenda for him and we tell him how we want him to solve the problem, the gift method won't work. But if we use it with our ears and hearts open, recognizing that we're going to him to prompt and lead us to make the changes to help resolve the stress and tension, I promise you, he never fails and it never fails. Yeah. Absolutely. And you had also said in your book, um, you said, though we may not be able to make make outward changes in certain circumstances, we all learn from the sisters how to reclaim our choice and use it to make inward changes, dissolving our high level tension in the process. And you also said God often uses our circumstances we have no control over that we can't change because they're important inward changes that have to be made and we might never do so otherwise. But this word jumped out at me when you said we all learn from the sisters how to reclaim our choice. Can you explain that a little bit? Sure, because when when those big events happen to us, we feel powerless. And when we feel powerless, uh, we we aren't rooted and centered in God's grace. 
right? Because powerlessness is a lack of hope. It's a lack of hopelessness. Yeah. Right. It's a lack of trust. Mm -hmm. But if we can shift how we're viewing it and we can find the good within it, then we reclaim our choice to accept it and use it for the good. And to give you like a quick 10 second example of this, I used to, when I ran these retreats for moms, I wanted to create this beautiful, peaceful space. So I would, no joke, I would lug in uh, floor lamps from home. I would lug in rugs so that I was creating this beautiful space because the fluorescent lighting overhead is just too harsh. And so it was a lot of physical labor. And when I was doing the weekend retreats, there was even more physical labor. I was making all their beds. I was doing all the cleanup. And so it was very physical. And then within my own body, I had a, it's something I come to find out was born with, but it didn't reach a peak until I was doing all of this physical work. And I have a condition now, it's been diagnosed called thoracic outlet syndrome. And what it does is it affects the strength within my arms. And so then I became limited in how much physical work I could do for these retreats. And so of course, I didn't understand. I was upset with God. If this is what you were calling me to do, why why do I now have this limitation? But what happened through prayerful time with him and this time to come to terms with my situation, I pivoted to writing. You know, that was another point at which I took the information from that retreat and turned it into the book and started writing for other publications because that doesn't require physical arm strength. And so I was able to come to terms with my limitations and use the gifts he has given me for the good in a different way. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yes. God has his reasons, you know, changes in direction and Again, he doesn't give us the full map. You know, he gives it to us in bits and pieces, and we can't begin to see what he can see, um, the the big picture. And but now, now you see more of the big picture, right? Because he wanted you to do some writing. <laughs> yes, but I'm but I'm not good as a as an extreme Martha and control freak. It, it's very difficult when he only shows me little pieces of the map. I want the whole map all at once. <laughs> that, 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 that's me too. <laughs> And it's like, and the fact if God gave me the whole map, I'd really mess things up. Mm -hmm. Me too. I'd be overwhelmed. I would be overwhelmed and probably shut down. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's all wise, right? He's a wise, wise, you know, guide and counselor. Well, I'll tell you, you know, any good Christian book um, points people to Christ. And this is exactly what your book has done. Pointed the reader constantly to Christ. Oh, thank you. That's that was my hope. Um, it, it, I want the book to be the net that you know captures people and draws them to Him. And you had already mentioned that the prayer at the end of each chapter is called "At His Feet." Is that I'm trying to I end each chapter in a prayer so that as the reader is reading it, they end up praying, whether they intended to or not. <laughs> I, they are then praying at the feet of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. You you unwrapped a lot 
in this book, Unwrapping Gifts, right? But <laughs> you did. It was. I just thought it was beautiful, but it was also, it was simply presented, which I really like. I said to you before we actually did this and we were talking off the mic that I, I re- originally read your book to read it for the purpose of the interview, but as I'm reading it, it's like, got to go back and read this again, going to do it again because I need to just, I want to methodically go through it, take my time and um, and pray over everything I'm reading because there's just so much there. Oh, so much you. there, Clary. Again, you know, um, thank you for this and your obedience to God. So if you're listening and if you think you've heard it all about Martha and Mary or learned all you have to learn from their story, I would really encourage you to get Claire's book, uh, Grace Intention, Discover Peace with Martha and Mary and read it for yourself because I really truly believe it is a great resource in that it really does compel us to choose the better part by helping us to see the better part because we so often we just don't see it. Um, so your your book is a, is a I think a wonderful gift Claire. Thank you. Um, Rebecca. Anything else that you'd like to share about the book? Sure um one thing that I think um, you know just to give your listeners a different thought is I've been finding um, that some people are gathering together and reading the book together. And so as word is getting out, there are different churches or just groups of people who are choosing to read it as a group. And that was another reason for doing the questions in the GIFT acronym was to whether you do it privately in prayer, in writing in your journal, answering the questions, going for a walk, however it is that you meet God, there's also a beauty in talking out loud about how the chapter impacted you, how that gift method applies to you within that, you know, each chapter is broken down into the common traps where we fall into stress and tension. But oftentimes we can miss what God wants us to read or hear or see. But when we hear someone else talk about how it applies to them, mm-hmm. it's as if God is talking through them to us. So that there is a beauty reading it individually But then there's also another layer of grace that comes when you read it as a group and talk about it and discuss it as a group. Yeah, I would highly recommend that for a Bible study or a small group study or, like you said, book club something. Absolutely. And like you said, it it will stick when you you discuss it amongst yourselves. And like you said, God speaks through others, you know, and their struggles, too. So absolutely. I think it's a great, great resource for that, for sure. Yeah. Thank you. And if anyone out there does want to do it as a group, I'd be happy to zoom in for a session and, you know, participate or just sit and listen to the discussion. Um, it's incredibly gratifying to see how it's working in people's lives. So I'm completely open to that. Oh, wow. That's really kind of you. Hear that, guys? All right. Good. <laughs> Um, yeah, thank you so much, Claire. I really appreciate it. So where can people find you? Where can they find your book? Where can they um, get in touch with you if they'd like or read your blog? 
Yeah, thank you for asking. So I do have a blog called ShiftingMyPerspective.com. So you can reach it through that URL or you can actually reach it through ClaireMcGarry.com. On there is my email address of how to contact me personally. Um, it also has a tab that has more information about the book and links to buy it. Um, you, you can find it at my publisher, publisher, which is our Sunday visitor. Um, and of course, you can find it on Amazon. <laughs> mm -hmm. Are you on social media at all? I am. I um. I found the summer is revving up and it's super busy, so I haven't been on as much this summer. Um, I was a little late in the game getting on social media, so I couldn't um, claim Claire McGarry as my handle on every platform. So on Instagram, I'm Claire McGarry writes. Um, on Twitter, I am Claire McGarry too. There's another Claire McGarry one out there, and she got there first. <laughs> oh, really? And you're well. You're C L A I R E M C G A R R Y, right? That's correct. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm just like you with with social media. It's it's just really hard to stay um, consistent with it, you know, because there's there's family obligations, there's there's life, and then there's you know, for me for the podcast, there's research and prep and studying and recording and editing you know yeah by the time you do all that <laughs> yeah yeah it's a lot it's a lot because yeah. we're we're called to draw those boundaries and keep our well full um i mean i probably could keep up with everything if i never slept but then i don't think i would be of much good to anyone <laughs> Oh, exactly, exactly. But but thank you again. Wonderful book, Claire. Um, Grace Intention, Discover Peace with Martha and Mary. I can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing uh, a little bit of yourself and your book. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rebecca. You're such a gracious host. I'm so grateful for your endorsement and the kind words about my book. It really means an awful lot to me. I feel as if um, I was called to write this book, but if nobody hears about it, I'm not fulfilling the final part of the call. So I'm incredibly grateful to you for your help in that. You are very welcome. It's been all my pleasure. All right. Listen, you take care. You too. Thanks so much. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Many thanks to you, Claire, for coming on and sharing some of your heart and some of your book. What do you think, my friends? Um, sound like a great book or what? Listen, I don't have just any old book on one little candle. Um, it really has to be something that I really connect with and really touches me. And I feel deep down in my heart that is of everlasting spiritual value to my fellow candles. And Claire's book, Grace Intention, Discover Peace with Martha and Mary, is such a book. And don't forget to check out Claire's blog. Her blog is, is wonderful as well. She is a fantastic writer for sure. As far as song for the day goes, I chose a song by the Gaither Brothers, and I'll have the link to it in the podcast description, but it's called Sitting at His Feet. Very nice song. So check that out when you have the chance as well. And being that one little candle, being that light in the darkness in your own little corner of the world, how can you do that? Well, how about when we start to feel tension arise and happens a lot? I mean, there's lots of reasons uh, for tension <laughs> starting in our own home, but today's world, there's lots of cause for tension. So 
let's be more aware of that. Okay, let's start to be more aware of of when those tensions are starting to arise within us. And let's be sure to take it to Jesus, sit at his feet, open up scripture, pray, listen to him. So often I think we are our own worst enemy because we seek answers or relief in the wrong places. Let's start with Jesus. Let's start there. Let's take it directly to the person that we know we need to, and that is Jesus. As Claire had said, when she opens up scripture in regard to her problems or her tensions, her perspective shifts. And that is exactly what we need. We need a shift in perspective. We need to see things through the eyes of Christ, our loving creator who loves us and who is an all-wise God. We can't go wrong, right? We can't go wrong when we seek him. All right. So follow me if you'd like. I'm at onelittlecandlepodcast.com. I'm on Instagram as One Little Candle Podcast and on Facebook, same handle as well. So um, check it out. I know I apologize. I don't really keep up to date as, as I should with social media. I'm working on that though. <laughs> so be patient with me. All right, my friends. Until next time, you take care. And God bless.